Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 367, featuring our amazing guest, Jill Smullen, a legend. A legend in the visual effects community. She knows everyone. She's been involved with everything. Everyone knows Jill. And she's very, very cool and very fun. I was so excited when I ran into her at a friend's birthday party. I said, Jill, you got to be on the podcast. And she said, no way. And then she finally, I finally convinced her to do it because uh, she's awesome. So anyway, what did you think of the conversation with Jill? Uh, she is great. I This podcast is kind of like nice and refreshing, just kind of what we've been talking about lately. She kind of just gives a, a different aspect on some of the things that you have discussed. Um, mm -hmm. But we do get to kind of hear about her background um, and I liked how she said her most consistent job was volunteering at SIGGRAPH for I think 10 <laughs> years or something. Um, and she just, it's amazing what she's done. Uh, so she's been, she was a technical consultant for like LACMA's stereoscopic of 3D history show, um, mm -hmm. which she said was just like amazing. Um, yeah. And she did, she talked about kind of how the stereoscopic imagery can either be compelling or detrimental. So she mm -hmm. also goes into that. Um, and then of course you guys talk a little bit about the metaverse and how the internet is amazing during this pandemic, because, you know, you can now work from anywhere in the world, which you see in the podcast, she's in Costa Rica. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, it I was didn't even great. realize she was in Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was nice. absolutely great. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, and and uh, very great to, to see Jill. So I really appreciate her coming on and finally being able to do it. I've actually been wanting to do a podcast with Jill for, for years. So I'm, I'm really glad she's able to do it. So cool to have her on. Again, she knows everyone. She's been in the industry so, for a long time and really been part of everything. So, and yeah, and her her, her thing about stereos uh, stereoscopic images and that that history was really cool mm -hmm. to, to see some of that stuff as well. I've always known her, as you said, at SIGGRAPH. SIGGRAPH, she's been a great organizer there and I've always she's always been sort of uh sort of instrumental in making sure that that thing runs really clean and she did it during the time when cigarettes were like the biggest they were really huge at that time uh okay well we don't have any uh product announcements just yet or any events going on right now so uh but if people want to know more about the podcast Kristen where can they go uh, you can go to facebook.com slash podcast or chaos.com slash garage. And if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Perfect. And if you have any other ideas of podcasts you'd like to hear or you'd like to know more about, just e email us, labs at chaosgroup.com. It's a perfect way to do that. And of course, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's always welcome. And uh, besides that... Please enjoy episode number 367 with Jill Smullen. Welcome to another CG Garage where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're going to fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray And while image-based lighting is really swell You need to make sure everything has for now I'm still nervous But you see, it's not really that bad, right? I know, no, I know I just have never done I, sent, I tend to shy away from this kind of thing But I was just like, okay, it's time to be brave, Jill. Be brave. <laughs> See what he's going to ask you. I'm so curious. Well, I'm curious. Well, yes, I'm curious, actually. That's why I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> well, uh, I hope you're not disappointed or too disappointed. I'm not going to be disappointed, Jill. I'm, I'm, I'm positive of it because I've always had great conversations with you over many years. I know. <laughs> many, 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 many years. Many years, I know. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I know. You can see it in the chins. <laughs> Uh, okay, I do want to know a little bit. I One of the things that I've noticed when I do these podcasts is I actually talk to some people who I've known for many, many years, and then I discover amazing things about their past that I didn't know. And so I want to know a little bit about your past and how you got involved in the visual effects world. It's, how did this all happen? Oh, <laughs> I'm a groupie. I mean, I think that's probably the thread that we're going to find out. No, right. I was... I was raised in England, um, and you can tell by the accent. And um, <laughs> and I was actually a big 
theater chick. I lived outside of London and my joy was going into the city and seeing as many plays as I could. And I swore to myself that I would know everything about theater and film would always be a mystery to me. And, um, you see how that turned out. And then, yeah. um, I started, I was, a, I was a lit major. I mean, I'm a writer and I, I could talk about Joyce till you're sleeping. <laughs> um, and, uh, I don't know. One day I was writing and it was back in the early eighties and I was writing for an online, online tech mag, or it wasn't online. Obviously it was, a, it was called on location and it was basically an industry magazine about technology. And I, in my, for my senior in college class, I was just like, I, I want to work there and I'm going to, studied or I'm going to start writing about these locations, you know, that people are talking about. And then I started falling in love. I actually had a major crush on Tony DePeltry, who was an animated character in the eighties. And I just, Oh my gosh, he, I guess he looks like Jay Leno, but I was just, um, I was, and no, I don't have a crush on Jay Leno, but I was just <laughs> so taken by the fact that this guy, this amazing morose sad piano player was created in the basement of a university in montreal by these two guys and i i just went that that was it i was hooked i started writing about the amiga i started i wrote about i wrote about artists you know traditional artists who then created on on computers i totally stalked bob abel's company um not quite sure why i didn't actually barged down the door then I think I was too chicken and I remember I remember going I mean grabbing any any kind of assignment I could get that involved anything with technology and I remember going down to shoot um I wasn't I was reporting on the shooting of a commercial down on Blackwelder which of course just became this incredible incredibly renowned street that all of us geeks know about and and love and have stories about. And then, and then one day I was just in there just thinking, I, I need to barge in to this. Well, I need to barge into this other world and I didn't know how. And so I just kept stalking and I, I, I stalked and I went into design for a while and then was working with working, helping designers kind of migrate from, Ruby lists and, you know, pencils and rulers over to, um, over to computers. So I became the Photoshop expert at design studios, which was pretty freaking ironic. Um, and then I just, I started barging down doors and wonderful friend, um, of, she was at the time, uh, married to a friend of mine, Lisa Spence. Oh, I know Lisa. Um, yeah, Lisa. Lisa helped me immeasurably just kind of make the connection. I didn't care where. I didn't care what. I just knew I had to be part of whatever it was that these people were doing, making pictures with computers. It's not an entire non sequitur because my dad was an engineer um, back in the dark ages. And I used to go to his office when I was a little kid and all of the engineers would give me really cool pictures, ASCII pictures um, on big printer paper. And I just loved them. My, my secret code when I was a kid was telex because we had one. Yeah. And, you know, but anyway, so that's how I, I barged the door down through a, after a couple really humiliating interviews at, at digital domain Somehow they hired me, which was a miracle. And I was in, I was in heaven till, you know, till the boat sank is what I say. <laughs> the ship sank and so did I. Yeah. 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 So what were you doing at DD? Um, oh my gosh. It's so ridiculous. Uh, they hired me to kind of build a training department or take over the woman who'd been doing training before. Um, I think she, I think she migrated into being an artist. So actually being a desk jockey. Um, and I came in there and I remember crossing the, crossing the parking lot 
the first day or so, Judith Crow running to a meeting and say, prisms, we have to learn prisms. I'm like, what the fuck is prisms? prisms? Oh, okay. Um, and so anyway, that's how it began. And, you know, at that time we were, we had, pipeline was a thing of the future, right? Um, we had um, a job system that I needed to teach people coming in. And at that time it was, it was really interesting because we were trying to get people to understand that, that the indies they were on were just $60,000 computers or pencils, $60,000 pencils. And of course, you know, we're still fighting that battle today. Um, right. Those of us in the, in the effects industry <laughs> and, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm a groupie. So I got to work with and, hold hands with some of just the most extraordinary creators, extraordinary. They're, they were puzzle makers, you know, they were problem solvers. And back then it was, it, we were barely, we were barely in UI land. You know, I remember being able to, I remember calling Adobe and saying, you know, if you could only make Photoshop move, we wouldn't have to use Matador. You know, um, <laughs> I mean, just stupid wow. shit, you know, it's just like, yeah. And, and it was a, lo a long time ago, but yeah. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with it and really fell in love with the people who made the magic. They were, they're the kind of scrappy problem solvers. I just love, um, brilliant, brilliant minds, just kind of making things work. Right. And this was in the early, early days of DD. So this was, in, had to be in the nineties, late nineties. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, like I said, I sank with the boat. So I was gone <laughs> at the end of 97. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah. um, it was a, I, it's a, it's a, a very difficult position training was because I mean, I've spent my whole life as overhead and I didn't handle it well. I didn't handle like handling having no budget and trying to persuade really busy producers that I needed their artists or, you know, really busy software engineers that they had to teach nuke. And this is back when nuke was a DD product. Um, mm. and you know, it was, it was, it was challenging. It was a really super challenging. I didn't have the temperament really to barge, even though I kept doing it for a long time. Yeah. Um, it must have been also a challenge because, you know, like today, as you well are aware, there are plenty of visual effects schools, right? Oh, my gosh. Well, that's another one of those stupid rear view mirror things. I right. can't tell you how many times. Well, Jill, couldn't you just teach these things online? And I'm talking online was a 300 baud modem. You know, right. we, weren't, yeah, yeah. we weren't sophisticated at all. And then, you know, Linda and... Yeah, it just has now it's it's a whole its own multi-billion dollar industry, right? And right. with and deservedly so. They're incredible schools. I still I did then and I still now have opinions, I guess, about um the trade school mentality where you're just learning the box. I feel like we can learn the box on our own. What we need to know is actually what makes a character come alive. What sure. makes fire look like fire? Gosh, back when we couldn't even do fire, mm -hmm. you know, what makes it, what, what grabs us and brings us in and makes that character stick to the ground or makes that character fly and look like it's actually integrated into the background instead of, you know, pasted onto something. Um, and these are things I remember, I remember once, I mean, this is kind of a key thing that for my brain. I remember once Dave Prescott came to Digital Domain and he just, you know, fresh off the plane from South Africa. And, and I said, yeah, how'd you, how'd you start doing this? And, you know, well, I just looked at dust. He was a particle guy back then. <laughs> and I just, I just watched dust. And I, I, that just, that epitomized, that was just the, the absolute answer for me. It was like somebody who is so, in tune with the thing that they want to replicate, duplicate, bring to life. And I'm not so sure these, you know, all these schools, they can teach you how to use the tools, but they can't teach you to look at dust, you know? 
everything. Yeah. You also have to want to look at dust. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. I mean, and, or, you know, if you're on the most basic level, it's like, I remember it for a little bit. I, I, I got to advise kids at Otis and I, I remember sitting with them. I said, just, just, have you ever actually watched a dog? I'm like, why don't you just go to the beach and sit on a bench and watch the people and their dogs? Mm-hmm. I said, I think you'll get a lot about their personality, but it doesn't, it's those things that I think are automatic for people to kind of grok onto and, but they don't. Um, right. And I bless the teachers who tell them to, you know, go, go look at Rembrandt, you know. Right. Go, but go, there were, you want, yeah. There was a lot of things that people were doing back then, I think, that were like you, like you said, Nuke. Like Nuke was a DD tool. You couldn't learn Nuke anywhere else. No, right? you couldn't learn new, and you had to learn it at DD. So when you right. came on to DD, so that's why we had classes in Nuke. Right. Um, and yeah, these are gosh, these are such early days. The, you know, we had the wonderful Jonathan Eggstat teaching um, when you know using material from Fifth Element, and this was something that, you know, it was it was new. It was a at least I mean in my myopic view it was new. Um, because my, my view was DD mm-hmm. bringing in, bringing in cinematographers, you know, we didn't do that a lot then. Um, but we, you know, studying light, analog light, um, so that you're not just placing something up in the corner of a 3d cube. Right. I, all of this, you know, all of this is just so completely old school at this point and irrelevant even right? because it's, it's automatic now and there's so much brilliance that's already baked into the tools that, that the geniuses use now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. Um, having to train people in an industry that's so new it, must have been pretty impressive or pretty well, it was, weird and strange. In some it was weird. It was weird. It was also a time when California was catching on to the fact that they had they were growing this really insanely insanely progressive and lucrative industry and so at that time we taught we were retraining folks through different government programs that we were then trying to manipulate all the paperwork bureaucracy like you know stupid stuff but we were trying to manipulate the program so that we could use government funding to teach these teach these people who are coming from the aerospace industry that was kind of failing or analog animation and they were transitioning over to digital and at that time i i had the huge you know oh my gosh great fortune of um meeting some other extraordinary people in on the training side and Mm -hmm. we started we started a a group um, called ADEPT. It was the Alliance of Digital Effects Production Trainers. And we went, we, we stood on our soapboxes to our companies, to the government. I mean, I remember I spoke in Sacramento. It's like a blur. I spoke in front of an assembly in Sacramento. What? Um, <laughs> um, but this is these were the things that we did um and and they were i i these people i just look up, up to them still i mean pam hogarth Scan, sandy scordos who i will miss forever um richard taylor not the richard taylor down under and mm-hmm. and not tron richard taylor rt taylor yeah. um <laughs> we have our share of them mm-hmm. um kathleen milness you know she she went on to just do a bunch of stuff and you know these are the people who we were kind of the, we were really pushing forward um, the idea that anyone can do this. Anyone can do this as long as they're really looking from the perspective of the world around them and not the tool in front of them. Um, Yeah, for sure. For sure. I yeah. think it's, I think it was great. I mean, I, there was, there was not just beginnings of schools that were starting to happen around that time. 
you know, Silicon Graphics like had one, and right, yeah, yeah, Noman started, and yeah. Noman started, etc. So, uh, but you did, you were at Noman for a little bit too. I remember. I was at Noman. I was working in marketing. It was yeah. another fail, failed attempt. Um, <laughs> I think most of my career is failures, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> um, the yeah, Noman and Noman was really interesting, and I remember, I remember talking to Alex when he was starting it and saying, you know, you can't just teach Maya; you actually have to teach you know, the, the art, the, the, the visual connection, the, the actual, what a foot looks like when it's actually stepping on the earth, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And I remember we, we and Pam who worked there for a very long time, mm-hmm. we had these conversations a lot. When I was at Noman, I worked in, um, I worked for the workshop, which was also super early. I mean, Alex was creating, um, CD, you know, videos essentially. Yeah. I, I had a, two of them. <laughs> oh, I had the, uh. Oh my gosh, you know, right. and they were, they were extraordinary. Um, and I got to meet more, you know, incredible people, um, yeah. who are doing beautiful work. And then the challenge to, to translate that work onto, um, a disc for other people to learn from. And now I think their whole library is online, which is just crazy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was very, it was, uh, it was fascinating. Uh, I, I, yeah, I worked on two of them, uh, over there. I did, uh, the V-Ray training DVDs or oh, V-Ray yeah. tra- uh, <laughs> and that was the first ones. And it was interesting cause I remember Alex saying, well, I don't know how much people are going to buy a max training DVD. And it turned out to be a pretty good seller. <laughs> uh, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Max, Max was one of the tools for the people. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, anyway, that was really uh, that, that was really interesting. But okay, what what was, was there something you were doing between DD and and Noman? Oh yeah, um, I was at Cinesite, um, oh, yeah. which was a wonderful place to be. It was it was really cool there because we had the we had the privilege of being connected to uh, Kodak. So. Yeah. So that's where I started bringing together the film guys who were completely analog. I mean, analog to the nth degree and the digital. And we started with Rita Cahill. We started a series of lunches and where we had conversations with the digital and the analog. And those were just, those were heavenly. We didn't do a ton of them, but they were just heavenly. Um, see if I can remember any of them, probably half, but, um, and then we also, that was where the first, Cinesite was the first DI, um, pro brother. And that was fascinating, just listening and learning and making that happen. Um, we had the, you know, some, some horrible things. Obviously, I was there in 2001. And let me tell you, the outcome changed some films. Um, that had to be retooled. Um, what to explain redone. to people what happened in 2001? Oh, 2001, when our two lovely planes crashed into our beautiful towers yes. in New York, which right. it really upended our entire our entire way of living. Um, but and at that time, I think, I think, and I I'm reluctant to even say it because I could be wrong, but I think it was Ocean's Eleven. But I think there was a scene that involved New York, New York, the hotel, and I think they changed it. I don't remember. This is somebody else can correct me on this because mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure. But it was, you know, things like it was more magic. It was more magic. It was more bringing people in and making things work. It was a very different environment than digital domain. At that time, it was actually pretty interesting and I think worth noting that we didn't have the plethora of effect studios that we do now. And at that time, every studio or pretty much every studio had its own personality. You know, it's like you'd go to Sony. It was very different than Rhythm and Hughes, which was very different from digital domain. Right. So which is very different from ILM. Each of these had its own personality. And I think those of us who, were fortunate to work at that time, learned a lot even from that. Because, yeah. you know, so much of what we do is working with other people. Well, I think DD was very, very much embraced 
their personality. Like they oh, had boy. a pirate flag. They, we had the, the whole... pirate flag. We did. <laughs> oh no, we were proud of that flag. And yeah. we, and our skull and crossbones and we, we, it was, and it was part of it and the firehouse and, mm-hmm. and those of us who were there then, many of us are still friends. They're my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even if I don't see them, I love them. Um, it was a, it was a cherished and treasured time. Crazy yeah. and cherished and treasured. Yeah. But well, Sinise was pretty important too at that time. You mentioned, you know, obviously uh, the first DI, which is pretty incredible. It, but it was cool. But they also, they, they made uh, the Sinion files, right? That was Yeah, you know, which was also fascinating, right? Because so Sinion, I'd come from Nuke. Mm-hmm. And, and I was really accustomed to being able to write scripts and have artists write scripts to change whatever they wanted within Nuke. It was a very much Lego type piece of software. And mm-hmm. Cineon was not. Mm-hmm. Cineon was a bunch of cables and spaghetti, you know, um, based on film, the, the concept certainly based on film, but it took an extremely different kind of skill set. You still had to know. And the other thing that was really interesting being at Kodak essentially was our interaction with cameras and the and we'd get I remember we'd get experimental LUTs that's like again brain and a long time ago so somebody can correct me but um I remember we'd get plugins that we'd try and use in Cineon um and this was a time that uh Shake started too Shake was just a little dream in someone's eye mm-hmm. um and yeah, so it was a, it was, and actually, oh wait, and RFX made one. I mean, didn't Ray Chalice? No. What was RFX's compositing RFX. tool? I don't remember. I don't either. Oh my gosh, it's so stupid. I can't remember. But they, you know, compositing tools were just. And Sony had Bonsai, which Sony had Bonsai again. Which was internal. based on Shake, wasn't it? Based on Shake. I think it did. Was it? I'm I don't not know sure. where Juan. Ron came from all of this is mm-hmm. murky and mixed up, so it could have. I I don't know. Um, and Ron Ron Brinkman. Who mm-hmm. was, so um, and also wasn't there the Apple product at that time? Mon- well, yeah. Apple Apple bought Shake. Apple bought Shake and turned it into Motion, right? I think so. But then they something just like it. that. <laughs> yeah, and then it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, then, then Nuke came out on top, which is fine. And then, no, still- well, Foundry, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Foundry changed the landscape um, yeah. to such a big degree. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and so now Nuke, now Nuke is for everyone. And also, Nuke is Nuke's such a different tool than it was way back then. But, of course, we have different, we've got different ways of making imagery now. You know, we didn't have to do VR. We didn't have to right. think about stereoscopy back you know in yeah. the 90s we didn't i remember when i you know when i started at dd and you know it was my first job in visual effects and i was learning i had to learn nuke right and the only other quote-unquote compositing that i had at all was basically after effects so i didn't really know you know and then he was like here's nuke and you turn it on and as you probably remember back then it's just a gray slate of nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> like Start with nothing. Start dropping yep. things in there. <laughs> there, was was. No, there was no interface at all. I'm like, this is crazy. How do I supposed to do anything? But it was crazy. But then once you got it, you know, you could, because it was such an open-ended tool, you could really do anything. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. It, it, for me, it was, again, just more, more magic. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, I thought it was, uh, yeah, I loved, I loved, uh, I loved working uh, at DD in those days. I think it was fascinating. Okay, so you, you obviously, you've had experience in some very interesting things. You're, you know, obviously figured out things that are going on at DD at Cinecite. And what happened after Cinecite? Oh, well, we can leave those. It kind <laughs> of got it. Kind of, a lot of my life is looking for work. Um, I will say the biggest consistent job I had was volunteering for SIGGRAPH, which yeah. I did a tremendous amount of, um, which you were director of SIGGRAPH at one point, <laughs> not director. I was, I was, no, I never chaired the conference. I chaired okay. different venues at the conference. Um, and, 
and each of them was different from the other and all of them were incredible. Uh, the organization is incredible. And I actually just, just like, I think a couple of days ago, um, I haven't been involved in SIGGRAPH for 10 years. And now I'm on the ET subcommittee helping Darren, which is Darren Grant, which is just yeah. a blast. It's like, it's just like, whoa, okay, here we go. So, but, so I did an awful lot of that. And that was pretty much consistent um, pretty much all the way through whether or not I was working. Yeah. Um, along the way, though, um, let's see, I worked, I taught, um, I taught Panasonic. I've taught some camera work and put together classes um, we traveled with and um, then got into, then I was, oh my gosh, it was so incredible. After, after um, I chaired the computer animation festival for SIGGRAPH, which, cause I don't know how to color in the lines I made into this enormous production that was just, it was cray cray. Um, I mean, come on, we got to project over at the Nokia, the LA Live, whatever it's called now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was amazing. But anyway, after that, then I went into stereoscopy, which, which also expanded, expanded my vision, as we say, which was amazing. Um, you know, fighting the fight for, I can't see in 3D. It always makes me sick, blah, 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 all the noise. Right. And then making, seeing people make beautiful images in stereo. Um, I got to do, this is so much diary stuff, but I got to do, I think one of the highlights was doing, um, I was the tech chick. I was the technical consultant for, um, LACMA's, um, stereoscopic 3D, history of 3D show. Oh, nice. Yeah. That was, that was for anybody who got to see it. It, gosh, it was such a gift to get to do that show. It was really extraordinary. Being from Los Angeles and then into getting to work at LACMA, um, it's our LA County Museum of Arts, and mm -hmm. it, and then getting to work there, and I ended up just setting up a bunch of you know Raspberry Pis, you know, crawling under things, connecting things, figuring things out. It was, it was that was extraordinary. That was such a gift. Um, to get to do that and the show was great and and now the the incredible curator who put it together is one of my dearest friends so yeah benefit side benefit a cool yeah. project <laughs> <laughs> but you've so you've liked stereo you've been a big fan of stereo stereo well huh? i'm a i understand a lot of the arguments and again that's another subject that i could just talk you to death um there are there are ways of of making stereoscopic imagery that are extremely compelling and there are ways of making stereoscopic imagery that are extremely detrimental and i i think it serves its purpose i think i've seen such beautiful work in stereo um work that transcends our our film industry you know um and and for want of a better term you know the depth that it brings to the experience of a visual image that we can actually exploit each of our eyes using them separately and together is extraordinary and gives us an opportunity to see in ways we may not um, and yeah, there, I, I get all of the arguments. I really do. I, I, I do. But, you know, when I look at the Godard film, whose name, of course, I'm not going to remember right now, um, his use of stereo, I think was for me, the epitome of how it works as an art form, because he's got a scene in which his the stereo, he's got two scenes that he breaks the stereo. And do you know what the film, the film I'm trying to remember? I don't know. I, I didn't know that Godel did actually a stereoscopic film. Yeah, it's recent. Um, I mean, in, okay. the, in his catalog, it's a recent film and it's going to make me crazy. I can't remember. I wish I had somebody here just looking it up. Um, 
he he kept it in stereo, but there were two parts where he split the eyes. And so one eye was seeing one image and one eye was seeing a completely different image. And of course, when you look at it together, it's going to make you sick. But when you right. see what he's doing under under underlining the discordant this this discord of the subject, it was brilliant. So I think that's that again goes to what I love about image makers, right? They're they use the imagery to tell these extraordinary stories or ordinary stories in an extraordinary way. Yeah. Yeah, well he always Godel always broke the rules on purpose. <laughs> he did. He did. And, and the, he, this is no exception. I find it interesting because so many people make so many rules about stereo for, for other reasons. And the same thing with VR, people make rules about VR as well. When they, really well, they should. make it, they make it all really sound really hard. And that's something I've never really understood. They've made it. They, I think we, maybe we do that as humans. Maybe we have a propensity for making things difficult. I, I don't know why, um, I do that in my life, but when it came to learning and it, and I mean, from the most basic tools to the most complicated tools, whether the hardware, software, concepts, theories, whatever, I think it's just not that difficult. Yes, there are some things that make your life hard. And yes, there are some conditions that we have. Um, that may make seeing stereoscopic stereoscopic imagery difficult, but basically, not it's not that hard. <laughs> it isn't same with VR though. I mean, VR I think is its own fascinating animal. Sure. Um, and I was fortunate to work in that as well. Um, again, though, again I think just depends on what you're trying to do and how you want to lead your audience through the story you are trying to tell. If, if you are, if we're talking about a narrative yeah, or even if, no. you know, if we're talking about narrative, I mean, um, yeah. I, I think, I think there's a, there's interesting, you know, there are certain ways that, that we can look at, Things that are different. I think Godard exploring stereo makes complete sense. Was it called Goodbye to Language, by the way? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Feel much better now. <laughs> yes. And I was really fortunate. I got to see it um, on the screen. And we showed, uh, like, part of the, oh, part of the LACMA incredible, incredibleness was I got to build the content for our screening room. We worked, it was, Oh my gosh, it was such a gift of Christy and Real D and and then and a bunch of people helping to get permissions. Um but we it was the most fun like group of clips we put together and I got to see really how how people reacted because I there were I sat in the back of that room innumerable times and watched when people, you know, threw off their glasses when the Godard piece splits the screen. Mm -hmm. And I saw when people reached out for butterflies, when the monarchs were flying, mm -hmm. you know, it, it just, it depends. Tools are tools, right? And it just sure. really depends on how you use them and how responsible you are to the people you're showing them to showing your art to. Um, but so I've seen, I've seen both. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen lots. I've seen, uh, at this point, not so much VR because it's passed a lot and I haven't been in it for a while. Right. But again, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm so attracted by the technology, the technology that allows creators to create, to express their visions in ways that maybe a, a single number two pencil isn't going to completely allow them um that i think that's what that's what just leads me everywhere and sparks my joy um when you see all these incredible scientists technologists artists come together to make just extraordinary work yeah well you certainly have seen a lot of the amazing things that happened in the industry oh. so that's been amazing 
oh, like I said, I'm a groupie, you know, I'm really <laughs> just seriously, I am, I, that's what I am. I'm, I'm just a fangirl for all of these men and increasing women, thankfully, um, although it's still slow, I'm still hearing those conversations. That was a big, that's always, it that's incredible. always, it's. Yeah. It's always been a through line in my life, of course, but um, it's changed quite a bit. When I was started at DD, it was, well, 2002, something like that. And there was one woman, two women in the entire digital building. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, digital domain, the, 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 the servers were built by, you know, there, there were women in there. Wook had a mm. great, a great eye for talent and just an extraordinary bunch of women helped build the foundations of, of that particular infrastructure. Um, a big, a big part of the conversation. I mean, it's rooted, it's rooted in, it's rooted in education in our early, in our education of our children by our parents. It's just, it's complicated really and really complex and i thought that in 20 years i would see more 20 30 years i'd see more of a change right um i will say yeah there are i i used to have the bathrooms all to myself and i don't anymore which is you know encouraging especially yeah. at somewhere like sigraph it's encouraging um and somehow more accessible and maybe more, more accepted. I, I don't know. I can't, I, I don't know. I, do, I can't I, make that up. I do remember when I was, uh, several years ago, I was at, uh, I was at THU, which is the, the conference that was in Malta. Trojan horse was a unicorn. Oh, right. The Trojan horse. Yes, yeah, Scott. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, my friend Sally Slade, she, she, we were having, it was at, at, they were doing some karaoke stuff or whatever at the end of the night. And so she got up on stage and it was very crowded. She goes, the best part of this conference is that there's a line for the women's restroom. <laughs> yep. Totally. I'm right there with her, you know, I'm, and that's, that's new. Uh, yeah. that's relatively recent, yeah. you know, but we're at a point now, what we've got a female prime minister in New Zealand and, um, right. And the mayor of Baja, I think, is young female and I think a mom. And, you know, all these things are they're they're happening and not not in small part because a lot of women have been very loud mm -hmm. um, over the last 20 years, 30 years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's it's getting better. It, it is. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think that's wonderful. And. I think it's I think it's wonderful because the more people who can play in this extraordinary sandbox, the better our pictures are going to be, and more movies I'll get to go see. So, well, so you you've seen like I said you've you've uh, I uh, you're a, a little bit like the, uh, the 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 scene from uh, Blade Runner where I've seen ships. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! The, the, the final that's speech in Blade Runner. That yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but what, what do you think? I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you think about what's going on now? Do you, I mean, do you think that there's another big shift, uh, some other thing happening that's going to change the way that this work is going to be done? Do you see that? I think it's already been happening. I mean, I, you can look, look as far back as, as, as race, right. Which was our distributed renderer at, at DD mm -hmm. and, and then at Cinesite and, you know, render farms, the whole, the whole idea that you could render an image on more than one machine was revolutionary. The fact now that we have innumerable visual effects studios that are people sitting at home with, you know, really kick-ass machines and software um, and talent, I think, I think that is a huge shift. I think, and I... I don't know. I've, I'm kind of speaking out of turn, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, a big, a big challenge in our industry, and I still say our, but our industry has always been budgets, right? It's like 
visual effects studios undercutting each other to just get the work and that hurts everybody. I think maybe, um, hopefully, uh, we're seeing the possibility of so many people being able to do this at a lesser cost that maybe more people can do the work. I, I just don't know. I don't know enough. I don't know. Yeah. It was really expensive to hire someone at DD at the time, it, remember? Well, it was. When you're talking computers were horribly expensive. Software was constantly changing, and so you were constantly training, right? You're constantly learning, so you had to have the ability to learn. Every show was different and required an entirely different mindset, skill set, um, as tools and technologies and techniques are changing. Um, a lot of that overhead has gone way down now, of course, but again, I think that balances out by the fact that, well, a lot of people are paying their own ways now. Um, so, you know, sure, they don't have to buy a $60,000 computer. Uh, they can, but they don't have to, right? right? Um, so... Uh, I as a studio owner and some of the studios now are doing great. They really are. They're doing beautiful work because there's so much freaking content on television on the small box, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's so much content, so much beautiful stuff being made. Um, but I don't, I gosh, I don't, I don't know where it's going. Um, I thought, I thought it was remarkable when we, conquered all the elements you know we could do all of them um and and then you know we can do just about anything with a camera and well we can do anything with a camera really yeah. and you've got the christopher nolans you know coming up with images that that anybody can strive to make now sure. right so I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the shift is. I don't know where it's going. Um, I hope it's going somewhere good. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I, mean, what I do don't you know. Think? I, I think, I think there's good. I think that right now there's, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like the pandemic itself has sort of opened up our eyes in terms of what's possible in a lot of ways, you know, it's even you given had to, you had to be at the you know they kept telling us like there's no way you have to be in this uh, office there's nothing leaves the office and I was like suddenly the pandemic happens like oh yeah I remember that thing that we said would never change well it has to change now <laughs> well not only that but it's given permission and it's given acknowledgement to the people who were already doing that they were already working from a really good connection somewhere else right. and now it's accepted so it's making their lives even easier so much work was done during the pandemic beautiful work but i think it only could have been it it was only as successful as it was because of all the groundwork that came before it um right. you know all the all the tools that were allowing us to work from los angeles to india to china to new zealand right all of all of that infrastructure was in place and then you just had to kind of teach the supervisors and i'm not saying that as a, a you know i'm not i'm not um just talking about cg supervisors i'm talking about the whole broad spectrum of the supervisor in general that the body didn't have to be visible for it to be producing right and that's right. a lot of it um, yeah, and there's, yeah, incredible, incredible, I think now. Um, and I wonder, I, I wonder given, given how much we've been able to create away from a centralized place, even though people are going back, I wonder what it's going to do to the way we view these images. You know, are we going to are we going to go back and pay for large experiences, um, the big screens, the beautiful MSG sphere that's you know in everybody's imagination and being being 
brought to life as we speak, right? Are we, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that future looks like. Um, now that we're kind of used to being together apart, yeah. or we're getting used to be, being together apart. Do you think that, I mean, obviously, you know, you were, we're talking about LUTs and colors and all these different things earlier. TVs now have gotten really pretty darn good. <laughs> beautiful. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's that again, that underlies my, my question. Yeah. There's, there is something about the immersion in a, in a theater that's compelling um, and enjoyable. There's also something about it that's super freaking annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, but and I don't know if I would choose to go see. No, that's not that's not true. I take that back, actually, just as I think about it. Like, for instance, Dune, I still haven't seen Dune because I haven't had the opportunity of seeing it in a in a theater. And mm-hmm. I really I have to see it in a theater. I can't mm-hmm. I can't not watch it in a theater. Same thing as any McGillivray. Right. I've got to go see it in IMAX. It's just right. It's just I have to. Um um, but other than those, are those the exceptions? Will they become the rule again? I don't know. I don't know. I think there's a tons of choices out there of almost too many choices to like, you know, hard to pick what you want <laughs> to watch sometimes. Uh, but I also, at the same time, I think it's a massive open ended thing to creativity. I mean, everyone I'm talking to now, they're like, we can't find enough artists because there's way too much stuff to do. <laughs> right. But that's, again, that's another, that's another, you know, point for working from wherever, like you right. do have the ability to do that now. And yeah, um, I hope as a, as a viewer, as a fan of the art, you know, I hope the stories continue. Um, I hope people keep writing really compelling work. Um, so that so that the artists we love and the artists who are just coming up and totally entranced by all of this can keep creating work to support those stories. Yeah. Yeah, I really I hope so. And yeah, we can see them everywhere. And I hope we do get choices, right? I hope we do. It's like I hope it's not difficult to go see Dune in a theater, is it for whatever reason I missed it, you know? Um right. I loved, like, I, I have to tell you, I had this conversation not that long ago. I loved going to see The Hobbit in every frame rate. I, I love being able to see, you know, I, I love going to different um, projection systems. You know, okay, I'm going to see it Dolby. How's, how's the black on that one? You know, it's, I love that kind of ability to geek out and to really understand what people are working toward. Right. Right. And whether you like it or not, or what, what you like or don't like, it doesn't, it's just the ability to make that decision to that informed decision because you had access to all of the choices. I'm, I love that. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't miss. There's, a, there's definitely something about a theater experience that's, that's gotten spoiled in some cases. The technology has definitely gotten really, really pretty amazing, and I appreciate that. But the experience, you know, sometimes I think I feel I kind of jokingly like sometimes going to the movie theaters feels like experiencing trying to uh, a mattress salesman trying to sell me a mattress. You know, it's like oh my god, you know, it's just it's very, very hard, and it's like. If it was only about the film, it would be amazing and the experience, but everything else around it tends to make it a little spoiled. And (laughs) and I don't know if that's because we've lost our manners Um, (laughs) uh, because we sit at home and we yell at things on TV or those of us who do yell at things, yell at things on TV and we think that's appropriate Um, or we think it's okay to check our phones all the time or chit chat with the person next to us all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I do know that. And, and I don't know if I'm just turning into an old curmudgeon, which is possible, <laughs> but, um, but that's definitely a turnoff for me too. Um, 
Yeah. I think what's also happened is that, you know, you mentioned the movies are expensive to make, right? So they're expensive to make and then uh, they keep having to, you know, fewer people are going to the theaters because the tickets are becoming more expensive. So you keep adding this cost, it's cost. And then what's also happening because they're becoming so expensive, there's only pretty much one kind of film that's going into movie theaters all the, there's no variety anymore. No one's taking sure. any risks if it goes into the movie theater. Well, like how much risk can you take when you're making a film by committee? Right. Right. I mean, so, so the, all the, but that's nice in the sense because then there's a lot of really creative things that are happening up on streaming networks. So there's tons of good stories there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a lot of wonderful work. I mean, from the visual effects camera communities, you know, we're seeing mm -hmm. beautiful, beautiful work. And, oh, my gosh, I mean, I, I'm so in love with the work. I mean, aside from the fact that I love the, the Mandalorian and Boba Fett, right? Okay, that's that we can shove that to the side. But just the fact that all of the work that has gone into making that work and making that successful, all of our, our kind of work, and we get to watch it on our screens at home. Yeah, that's that's that's. Wow, what a gift. How lucky are we? Aside from the, the, the wonderful talents that get to work on it, yeah, I'm, I'm forever envious of them, sure. But, um, and I really, I miss being, being part, of, part of that creativity. But, gosh, it, it's incredible what we get to watch, like sitting at home, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's really kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. I mean, I just just think back. I mean, look, when I was when I was a kid, um, you know, and and watching on my black and white and color television with the cord attached to it and the screen would go in and out. And and now, you know, we're watching. And we get to watch the Mandalorian. Right. You know, we get. And those of us who over who the were, internet, <laughs> over the internet, exactly over <laughs> this, not connected to, it's just, it's mind blowing. It still yeah. is. I don't take it for granted. I wonder if I ever will. I don't mm -hmm. though. Um, 4k, I, you know, uh, like HDR, HDR, over. HDR on your freaking phone. Yeah. I mean, some semblance <laughs> of it, you know? Okay. Yes. 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 We can argue about it, but. But yeah. some semblance on your phone, the concept is on your, mm -hmm. it, it's mind -blowing. Streaming over Wi-Fi. <laughs> As I am right now. <laughs> From Costa yeah, Rica. Uh, you're I in Costa am. Rica right now? I am. I am. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. I am. A, a very, one of my very good midlife crisis um, decisions. But yeah, I had many. I've had many. Okay. Did you move there? Anymore. Um. I'm in the process of moving. So it's kind of more and more as my life changes and my, and life allows us to do these things. Yeah. So more and more. That's amazing. It's That's amazing. I would encourage, I would encourage people to just really follow their internet connections to wherever <laughs> they want them to be plugged in. Really? <laughs> just, just do it. Well, it, that's exactly it. Like I had no idea in Costa Rica. <laughs> no, I'm, well, how would you know? I, if I told yeah. you. I mean, how would you know? It's like a, last time I a, saw you was like what four weeks ago at a bar. I know. At a bar, yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. and I want to go back there, and unfortunately, it's a little too far to go. But well, yeah. yeah, especially from Costa Rica. <laughs> exactly. The beer was much better there. Gotta say, beer, beer's not too good in, in Costa Rica. Um, the imported beer is fine, and there are some local. There are some local brews that are not bad, but right. no, I mean McLeod's was pretty great. Right, but there's other things to enjoy. <laughs> Oh, I'm not complaining. Yeah, yeah. No, not a not a complaining. Are you on the coast or? Yeah, I'm actually. Okay. I have a. I was. I was super lucky, but we don't have to go into that. I was just like. I was super. I was super super lucky at a super lucky time, and I'm. Yeah, my house is just falling apart. I keep waiting for the day that I'll have money to redo it, but the location's beautiful. It's that's amazing. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, that is absolutely wonderful. I 
that I, I this has been great talking to you. I really appreciate <laughs> it. I am so I'm so like I'm so tickled that you're talking from Costa Rica because you completely caught me off guard there. Well, yeah, because <laughs> you know I don't need. I mean, this in front of me is definitely not a visual effect. It is visual and not an effect. It's incredible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, the glow is not from is not from my perfectly aligned light. Right. No. <laughs> yeah, it's from the yeah. From yeah, the that setting sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so oh my gosh. much, Jill. Appreciate thank it. You. This was so much fun to do this. Super fun, super fun. Thank you, thank you for making me terrified and making me do this. And you were very reluctant, <laughs> but look how well you did. Was it fun? Was it an easy experience? Well, talking to you is always easy, whether we're staying at a bar or I guess yeah. now when we're talking here. So yeah, right. it's awesome. Great. Awesome. Well, Thank you. Keep doing right. these.